You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Welcome back again, everyone, for part two of this foray into the biblical prophets with our friend, Dr. Bill Barker. If you were listening in our last episode, we kind of covered the prophets in general, and Dr. Barker gave us a great survey of the general message of all the prophets, and we worked through uh, how the message of the prophets can apply to us and uh, what truths they were trying to get at. So, Bill, you wrote your dissertation on, am I remembering, am I using the terminology correctly? the eschatological banquet of the book of Isaiah? Yeah, that's right, which is um, sort of a mouthful, but eschatological just means looking forward to the eschaton or to the end times. So it's sort of this, this final banquet at the end of all uh, human history as we know it in the beginning of the reign of the eternal kingdom of God, that there's this banquet that really is the hinge between the end of this world and the beginning of the eternal world of God's reign. And so, yes, we call it the eschatological banquet, or you also could call it the messianic banquet. Some people refer to it as the messianic banquet because it's the banquet of which the Messiah begins his final reign for now and all eternity. But yeah, it goes by either of those names, and that's fine. And, and in Isaiah, of course, it appears primarily in Isaiah chapter 25, I wrote, as you noted, on the whole section of it, which is Isaiah 24, chapter 24 to Isaiah chapter 27. But the banquet highlight comes in in Isaiah chapter 25. And of course, New Testament writers like Paul and John both use the message there in Isaiah 25 explicitly in their writings in the New Testament. Yeah. So I'd be curious, perhaps before we dig into specifically Isaiah's text there, this concept theme, uh, whatever term you'd, you'd prefer to use, of banquets and meals that seem so pertinent to the message of Scripture. What's going on there? Why, why is it that we so often see meals, you know, uh, yeah, that are, that are yeah. utilized to, to convey these, these messages and concepts and themes throughout Scripture? That's a great question. And, and I, I guess the first thing I would say to our listeners would be, you know, just think about when you like to get together with friends. What's one thing that you like to do? I would suggest that most people enjoy a good meal with friends, right? At holiday gatherings or a Super Bowl party, whether it's a family meal or just, just hanging out at a, mm-hmm. at a backyard barbecue or, or people who are tailgating before a big game. I mean, there are people People like to eat and spend time together. And this is, of course, a a huge important part of the culture throughout the Middle East. Uh, Mm -hmm. The setting of the scripture uh, historically, geographically, is in the Middle East. And it's a major Middle Eastern cultural custom that when you break bread with someone, when you sit down and eat with someone, it's an expression of the goodness of your relationship and the fellowship that you want to have together. You wouldn't sit down and eat with your enemies Mm -hmm. uh, unless it was to make peace with them, right? Mm -hmm. And your friends, your family, those are the ones that you do sit down and eat and have fellowship. So, This then becomes a major theme in the Bible, Mm -hmm. and not just between people. But here's the stunning thing, that there's a divine human meal theme that shows up throughout the Bible, that Mm -hmm. God says, I want a relationship with people. And I want to have it be something rich. I want to have it be something that's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't often think about that with God, but God's like, yeah. I want to have this fun, enjoyable, relaxing, intimate relationship with you. Just think, I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could just say, gosh, what's my relationship with God like? It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's intimate. It's special. It's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And God is saying through these divine human meals, that's what he wants. And you see this show up throughout the scripture from beginning to end. You see it with Genesis 1 and 2, where God creates the world. 
and says, here's the things that you can eat. Mm-hmm. And he, he provides these human meals where he shows up and is with them. Then what do you have in Genesis 3 at the advent of sin? You have that Adam and Eve failed at this terrible meal with the serpent, where the serpent says, eat this. And they do, and they shouldn't. And so you have the, the fracturing of this meal with God in between humanity. But then right in the very next section of Scripture in the book of Exodus, you have God meeting with the leaders of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai. And even prior to that, you have the Passover meal where God is saying, I promise redemption through the blood of the lamb. He yeah. says, I'm I'm going to find a way to forgive my people to cover their sin and find a way to be back in relationship with them. And, and God doesn't give them a, a theological work to express that. He doesn't say in the book of Exodus, here's how you need to understand being delivered from slavery and out of bondage from Pharaoh. Let me give you a commentary, right? Let me give you a volume of, of books. He, he does this through storytelling at a meal, yeah, a meal with them together. And then in Isaiah and Ezekiel, as we'll probably talk about later today in both those, you have this eschatological banquet or this end times banquet where God sets all things right at that banquet. He comforts those who have been wounded. He vindicates his people. He blesses his people. He takes death and destruction upon himself. And he also destroys the enemies of God, those who have turned their back on God and vowed rebellion against him. He destroys them at that banquet as well. So that's just in Isaiah and Ezekiel. And of course, then you look ahead to the New Testament, this God-human meal theme continues. You see Mm -hmm. Jesus, what does he do at the Last Supper? He takes the Passover meal and completely reconfigures it to say, look, this is how God meant the Passover to be done. With me is the lamb, Jesus says, uh, Mm -hmm. giving my life, my body, and my blood for you. Of course, Paul picks up on that as he explicitly details what communion is to be in 1 Corinthians for God's people. He also looks forward to this banquet theme in 1 Corinthians 15 when he's talking about the death of death, the end Mm -hmm. of all death. And he picks up on this banquet theme. You know, we we hear people say, oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? Well, Paul here is is picking up on Isaiah 25 and this idea of the banquet that God swallows up death and victory, swallows it up forever at this final banquet uh, that was first mentioned in Isaiah. And then, of course, in Revelation 19 to 21, I mean, wow, that's the arrival of the greatest of all banquets, Mm -hmm. the end of God's enemies, the marriage supper of the Lamb, whatever you want to call it, this greatest of all banquets. And so really when we take communion as believers on a week by week basis, it's sort of, I don't want to diminish communion in any way. It's a very special, very sacred, important thing here and now. But in a sense, it's also part of the appetizers, the hors d'oeuvres for the final banquet where God is saying, look, you're looking at the promise of my return now. You're proclaiming my death, Jesus says, until I return. And that's what Paul writes to us that we do in communion, right? Mm -hmm. And it says that Jesus says, look, you're proclaiming the death of Jesus until Jesus returns. But at the final banquet, that is the return of Jesus where the full banquet is come to pass. And that's why Jesus says at the Last Supper to his disciples, I'm not going to drink this wine with you again until I drink it with you in the new kingdom. Yeah. He's saying, look, this is just a foreshadowing. You take this as a reminder, but I'm going to hold out and wait until we banquet together. Mm-hmm. Uh, this final feast, this great party to launch God's final coronation and the setting right of all of our pain and sorrows in this life and the end of evil and wickedness. That's really beautiful. And I think especially as you highlighted there, I mean, the fact that this whole project, for lack of a better term, began, you know, with our fall, you know, sin in the garden, but even that wasn't abstracted. It was, like you said, it was at a meal. Like we, <laughs> Adam and Eve ate and That's right. uh, introduced sin and death into the world, and then it's all made right at the end of 
the age with this banquet, another meal. And I just think that is beautiful and profound. It is, and it's enjoyable too, yeah. right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's, that is the thing. I mean, we talk about God's grace and God's love as some abstract thing or something that we may feel from time to time. But look, God is so interested in connecting with us. He says, let's eat together, yeah. right? You ever know someone who you call them, you know, they're they're a foodie, right? Like I yep. consider myself somewhat of a foodie. What I mean by that is I, I love food, whether yeah. <laughs> it's deep dish pizza in Chicago or my pepperoni roll in West Virginia mm-hmm. or good Italian food here in the North End of Boston or, or Indian food, whenever we can get our hands on that, you know, my family uh, just loves Indian food. And and so whatever it is, we just love these different types of foods and we love to eat. We love to eat with friends. And I think most people would say, like I said, you know, if nothing else, do you like to cook out? Do you like mm-hmm. a, a good home cooked meal? Do you like comfort food? Why do we call it comfort food? Yeah. Because there's something of comfort and fellowship in it. And God could have done this another way, Josiah. Yeah. <laughs> God could have communicated these messages another way and he didn't. God chose to deliver these messages through food and through meals. And I think that's a sure sign that, hey, God wants us to enjoy his presence and he wants Mm -hmm. us as his people to enjoy one another as well. And that's a beautiful thing that not only does God welcome us to his table through the cross of Jesus, he also welcomes us at his table to sit next to one another. So now you and I are brothers in Jesus, Mm -hmm. along with all of our brothers and sisters around the world and throughout time who loved Christ. And we're sitting at the king's table with him as well as with one another. And I just think that's that's beautiful, exciting, enjoyable. Yeah, it most certainly is. And I'm curious, as someone who wrote his dissertation on this, dare I say, uh, perhaps enigmatic passage in Isaiah, (laughs) Mm, uh, mm, mm. I, I have not finished your dissertation, I will confess, but I know... No, right there, right from the outset, you can't, you acknowledge that there's... A cure for insomnia. Yeah. Right? That's what I said in the last <laughs> podcast on the prophets. You, you haven't finished it because every time you, you, uh, you're having a rough time falling asleep, you can pick up Bill's book and, and slowly drift off. Uh, you know, you're yeah. the one guy who bought a copy. I saw it. You're the one guy who has it. I've been tracking, you know, the purchases. You're the guy. So thank you, Josiah. <laughs> Say, you know, leave, you got to leave the self-deprecation to me, Bill. You know, you can't, you can't be just like me, you know. <laughs> That's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um, you you do you acknowledge that this is one of the passages that you know there are some perhaps some textual difficulties and there's some mystery around it much as there is mystery that surrounds a lot of scripture, so perhaps without delving too deep into the the mystique of it. Perhaps you could draw out for us and discuss with us the implications of Isaiah's messianic banquet and how that figures into the message of Isaiah and perhaps the prophets and scripture in general. Yeah, and I wouldn't actually describe it as a mystery because I think God wants his word to be known and he wants it to be applicable. Mm -hmm. There are some amazing, profound depths to it, certainly. We serve a God who parts of him he wants to reveal and parts of him are certainly unknowable just because he is so majestic and and so far above Mm -hmm. us. But I I really do think that this Messianic banquet in Isaiah is very understandable and very applicable. And just to make sure that our readers are clear what we talked about, we talked about how the passage is a set of chapters, 24 to 27. And there's a lot of time we could spend there, but the real actual passage of the Messianic banquet is just three short verses. It's Isaiah Mm -hmm. 25, 6 through 8. And I'll just read that for our listeners if I can. Mm -hmm, uh, Absolutely. sure, and I'm reading here from the ESV. I know others might use other versions, King James, New King James, NIV, but this happens to be the ESV. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 25, 6 through 8, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples 
a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach, the shame of his people, he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. So that's just the very short passage. And you might say, well, gosh, what's all the big hubbub about this? You know, it's like this tiny, (laughs) tiny bit, right? But Mm -hmm. if you think about those verses for just a few moments, there's a lot there. And so just to break them down on verse six, on this mountain, it says, well, what mountain? Well, it's referring to Mount Zion in the context in Jerusalem. And so it's saying this is the place of God's rule. This is the mountain where the temple is. It's where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, and instead God provided a ram. It's all the same location. It's near to where King David's palace was, and you have all these stories and themes of God's sacrifice, his kingship, his worship, all there in this one place. And God is saying, look, on this mountain that's been so important throughout my history about my love and my sacrifice for my people and my kingship and my rule, on that mountain, I'm going to do something special. And what does he say? He's going to issue this invitation. He says, it's the Lord of hosts, which is in Hebrew, Yahweh Sabaoth. And it means the Lord who was, who is, and who is yet to come, who is the commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. Mm-hmm. So this is a the military war title for God mm-hmm. and saying, you know, I've been at war on your behalf. Yeah. And now that the war is over, it's time for us to have a feast together. Mm-hmm. And he says it's going to be a feast for all people, not just for the heavenly realm and the angels. But he says, look, I'm going to invite all of my people. And who are we that God should prepare a feast for us? Yeah. And God says, but yet you're forgiven. And so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll bring you to this banquet. And he says it's a feast of rich food. Literally in Hebrew, it says fat food, meat with fat on it. <laughs> literally, literally, it's a strange word that says meat that is fatty. My and, and maybe kind. It, yeah, exactly, right? Like, in other words, he's saying he's going to give us a really good steak. I mean, that's that's the, the terminology used here. We know that he's referring in the Hebrew text, it's referring to beef with fat running through it. You know, cholesterol was not a problem in their world. <laughs> Praise you know, God, indeed. Uh, right, right. And, and the reason it wasn't a problem in their world was because they didn't have access to it. I mean, to us, if we wanted a really nice meal, even a filet mignon, we might have to spend more than we might want to spend on it, but we could get it. And we certainly could get burgers or buy steak at the supermarket. But in the ancient world, in ancient Israel, the common person didn't have ready access to red meat or Mm -hmm. to fine wine. And so with the meat throughout the Old Testament, fatty meat is a symbol of the presence of God's blessings, Mm -hmm. right? So this is always rich, fatty food. This rich food is always a symbol of the presence of God's blessing. So he says, look, I'm going to set this feast and I'm going to give you my blessings. Here's the interesting part though. When he talks about the wine, he says it's going to be well-strained or well-refined wine. Well, that's fascinating because if you know anything about winemaking, dregs in the wine, this sort of cloudy pulp that's left over from the grape and sometimes mm-hmm. gets stuck in the wine, these tiny bits and pieces of the grape and the stem, they're not always well strained out during the winemaking process. And this was especially true in ancient times. And they're very bitter to the taste, very, very bitter, the dregs, if they're left in the wine. That's why in places like in the Psalms in the Bible, it says that God will one day force the wicked to drink the cup of his wrath down to its last bitter dreg. So if any of you remember the old Maxwell House commercial, good to the very last drop, this is this is not. God's cup of wrath, the bitter dregs are not good to the last drop. It is bad news. Throughout the Bible and Ezekiel and Revelation, the dregs of wine are a symbol of the bitterness of God's judgment and wrath. So get this, though. God is saying, I'm not going to give you that wine anymore. Yeah. I'm going to give you the well-refined wine, the well-strained wine that means wine without dregs. In other words, this wine is a symbol of the absence of God's wrath and judgment. Mm. So just think about that. Verse 6 
then just to recap, you have this God who says, look, I've been out there fighting for you as the commander of the host. I'm done fighting now. I'm retiring back to my mountain where I will rule forever as king. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to invite all of you that have followed me to this banquet, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you the presence of my blessing and the absence of my wrath and judgment from now and all eternity. Mm-hmm. That's just the opening invitation. Yeah. He follows it up with verses 7 and 8, and he says he's got this covering, this veil that's over all people. Well, what's the covering and veil that eventually is over all of us? That's the burial shroud. Yeah. He's talking about death, that mm-hmm. the metaphor for death. He's saying there's this covering, this veil, this burial shroud that is over everyone. And he also talks about reproach, shame that is taken away. In the Hebrew Bible, that is always, always, always a term for weakness and inability. See, that's why David got so offended when Goliath says he reproaches the God of Israel. He reproaches mm-hmm. Yahweh. David is offended because he's saying, you're saying that my God is weak and unable? Mm-hmm. Look out, big man. You know, like, like <laughs> there's trouble coming your way because that's not my God. So, yeah. but God says, look, my people have been weak and unable to care for themselves, to prevent the ramifications of sin, to protect themselves from the serpent. And I'm going to take all that away. Mm-hmm. And essentially, that is a promise that sin will be removed from us. The old church fathers, like Augustine said, that this is a promise that we will one day be unable to sin. I mean, won't that be great, Mm -hmm. you know? And then also in verse 7 and 8, he says, God is going to swallow up death forever. You want to know why God can give us that well-refined, well-strained wine without the dregs in it that symbolizes the absence of his wrath and the absence of his judgment? It's because that's the cup Jesus drank on the cross. When Mm -hmm. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he say? He says, let this cup Mm -hmm. pass before me. That's right. And so it's that cup of wrath that Jesus drank on our behalf where he literally threw that swallows up death forever so that we never have to die again. We never have sin again. We never have death again. And that's what then enables God to say, and as a result of the elimination of sin, death, evil, Satan, I will comfort my people and wipe away their tears. And, and that is the, that's this beautiful banquet. And the reason I wanted to focus on this banquet originally in my dissertation writing was because I knew it talked about resurrection. Yeah. I remember being a little boy in West Virginia and being about three or four years old and hearing that my great-grandmother, who I'd only met a handful of times, but certainly knew who she was. I remember hearing that she had died. And I thought, what does that mean? And from that time on, and I'm sure many listeners could point to the first time that they heard or found out about someone that they love, someone that they cared about died. You know, we all kind of remember that first interaction with death that touches us personally in some way. And I remember in my case, I began to hate death and fear death right away. And I knew that Christ had given us new life and the promise of hope and the resurrection and setting things right. And so I wanted to write on this because it was this this major point, I should say, in the Old Testament. It's not a major portion. It's a small portion, but it's a major point <laughs> that God makes here in saying he will eliminate death forever. And he will set all things right and comfort us in all the ramifications of sin and evil and brokenness in this world. So if you feel like things haven't gone right in your life, you feel like there's been reason to weep, to cry, to mourn, you feel like there's been reason where you've been hurt justly or unjustly in this life, Jesus says, if you follow me, I promise to set those things right. Mm. Beautiful. And I think super encouraging to me, even personally, is the specificity and the concreteness, I guess, for lack of a better term, of what we've been talking about. That, again, as you said, you know, this isn't just some sort of theological abstract, you know, idea. God will comfort you one day. Okay, that's cool. No, no. He's telling us how, like what that's going to look like 
and it's going to be at a banquet. You know, you're going to taste and touch, yes. and it's located spatially, you know, Mount Zion. There's just something profound about that. It's concrete. It's real. You'll touch, taste, and, and smell it. And feel it as he yes. personally promises to wipe away the tears from our face. I mean, that's this amazing thing that Isaiah 25, you got this great military commander that now is going to reign from his mountainside. He's invited you to the special banquet. I mean, you can think about getting invited to, <laughs> I mean, that sounds like an elegant banquet, right? You're going to go dine with the king from his palace on the mountainside. And yeah. what does he say he's going to do after he gives you all this good stuff? He's going to personally come and use his own hand to wipe away the tears from your face. That's an amazing God. To echo the prophets, who else has a God like that? <laughs> Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Bill, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and your your day to uh, share your, your expertise and insight with us. Uh, enormously encouraging to me, and I have no doubt will be huge comfort and encouragement to our listeners. So uh, thank you for being willing to do this with us. Yeah, I hope I hope it is an encouragement to your listeners. And uh, that's my, my prayer and my hope. I know it's been encouraging for me. And I just thank you for the opportunity again to be with you all. My love and my prayers to all of you there in West Virginia and certainly uh, in the Horizons community. Thanks so much, Josiah. Yes, of course. Thank you. We were really excited and glad to have Dr. Barker join us for the podcast. If you have any questions for him, you'd like him back on the podcast, shoot those to podcast at horizonschurch.net or send them to us on our social media channels such as Facebook or Instagram. And as always, you can interact with us on those channels whenever you'd like. Thank you as always for listening. We hope that this is encouraging to you and we'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.